This is the Consilience Podcast with your host, Shannon Beer, health and confidence coach and founder of The Coaching Collective, helping dedicated fitness professionals to bring their coaching visions to life by developing the knowledge, skills and strategies to make that a reality. We're inviting you into conversations with experts on body image, compassion and behaviour change to help us challenge our assumptions about health and appearances and critically examine the way that we coach so we can help our clients on a deeper level and create an industry that is truly life enhancing. Let's get into the show. Self-criticism versus self-compassion. What is the problem with self-criticism? Why is it mostly unhelpful and where does self-compassion come in? Well, we all engage in self-talk and we can speak to ourselves in a way that is kind and supportive or at other times we can be incredibly harsh and critical. Many of my clients who are struggling with their eating behaviours and with their body image find that they are very, very tough on themselves. And unfortunately, this kind of inner talk doesn't actually help us to achieve our goals. It's the kind of voice that tells us we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, we don't have what it takes, we're always going to be this way. It points out all of our flaws and shortcomings, often in a way that is very unproductive. And it's unsurprising that self-criticism is a central feature in many mental health problems. So when working with a client on this, we first seek to understand why we're engaging in self-criticism, because the goal actually isn't to eradicate it, it's to learn from it and work with it in a way that doesn't hold us back. So what I mean by this is that there's a reason we engage in self-criticism. And it's usually to prompt us to do things right so that we will be accepted by others and we can protect our own self-concept. And from an evolutionary perspective, it's a threat to our survival to be left outside the group. So our body reacts to self-criticism as an internal threat which means that it activates our body's stress system. So our brain releases cortisol and this activates the sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight or flight response. So it prepares us to act. So essentially, we're engaging in self-criticism in order to keep ourselves safe. The problem isn't just that it's unhelpful, but it's often used inappropriately when we're not actually in any real danger. So one of the biggest teachings in compassionate mind training is that our brains have evolved to keep us alive, not to keep us happy. And our modern day environment is so far from what we began with that these adaptations, the way that our brain works, actually just ends up creating problems in our day-to-day lives in the modern world. So what happens is that self-critical individuals are usually focused on achieving goals once they are pervaded by feelings of inferiority, worthlessness, failure and guilt. Kind of like trying to change your body because you don't feel attractive enough. So it's really important to understand where the self-criticism comes from and why we do it. 
And it's because we deeply care about our goals, which means we often also fear failure. So we resort to self-criticism as a motivation to take action. But as I mentioned, the downside is that it can trigger our brain's threat systems. And it's not actually just about what we say to ourselves. It's the emotions associated with the self-criticism, as much as the content, that drives mental health difficulties. So what we find is that shame often goes hand in hand with self-criticism, along with experiencing a lack of internal safety. And it's usually the way that we handle those emotions that tends to be unhelpful. So funnily enough, when it comes to our eating behaviours, self-criticism can undermine our self-regulation because uncontrolled eating is often used as a means to cope with those negative emotions that result from the self-criticism. So paradoxically, our attempts to get our shit together by criticising ourselves often just make it harder to eat well. So it's unsurprising that we find self-criticism plays a significant facilitating role in disordered eating psychopathology and hence, of course, poor mental well-being. And not only does self-criticism influence core cognition such as body dissatisfaction, but it's often used as a form of punishment after breaking food rules. So unsurprisingly, high self-critical people show more severe disordered eating pathology compared to less self-critical individuals. And this is where the importance of helping clients to develop self-reassurance and self-compassionate capabilities can come in to buffer against those pervasive effects of shame and self-criticism in physical and mental health, particularly when it comes to our eating and body image concerns. So if you are someone who struggles to regulate your eating behaviours, it's not because you're lacking motivation or you're lacking willpower, but it might be that you would benefit from more targeted approaches that address problems related to feelings of shame and negative self-criticism around your difficulties to control your eating behaviour and manage your weight. So this would involve becoming aware of the cycle of self-criticism the context that this cycle occurs in, the things that you say to yourself in these moments, and learning how to develop a more compassionate response, a more self-reassuring response that helps you to take action. And in fact, developing compassion has been the thing that has changed the game for many of my clients. So one of my clients called Katie, she mentions how um, learning to view herself as worthy of treating herself well and seeing that eating well was about showing yourself respect and care, that was a big shift for her. And another client also called Katie um, mentioned that before working with me, she was really struggling to stop the diet and emotional eating cycle, as well as bonding so much of her self-worth to her weight and her size. And of course, it was massively impacting her life. And since working with me, she managed to change her mindset entirely, meaning that she now focuses on ways to soothe herself and to give back to herself. And she says how learning about compassion really helped because it enabled her to be more self-aware and to do the hard things 
and take time for herself. So I do want to clear up a common misconception that self-compassion is just about, you know, saying to yourself, oh, don't worry, it doesn't matter, you know, you overate, never mind. And that's not actually a self-compassionate response because you do care, right? That would be lying to yourself. You do care about your health, you do care about your well-being, and you care about making the most of life. So if you were to engage in unhelpful behaviours that don't bring you closer towards the person that you want to be, then kidding yourself that you don't care about that is not a compassionate thing to do. In fact, compassion allows you to look closely at your behaviours because you don't put yourself down. Of course, if we're used to criticizing ourselves and making ourselves feel shit, we want to avoid that crappy feeling, meaning that we don't closely reflect on our setbacks because it's too uncomfortable for us. Whereas self-compassion, we can develop the courage to face our difficulties, to say, you know what, Friday night when I ordered takeout instead of following the plan that I set for myself, Why did I do that? Because I didn't feel so great after. You know, it's kind of set off a bit of a spiral for me. What is actually going on here? And when you learn more about why you do the things that you do, that opens up opportunities to make different choices because it's really about figuring out your needs and how best to meet those needs. So self-compassion can be seen as a commitment to your own well-being and the prevention of suffering. And if overeating and binge eating, emotional eating is causing you distress in your day-to-day life, then self-compassion is going to motivate you to find a solution to that. It's also the voice that offers us comfort and support when we're struggling. So think about if your friend was having a hard time, you probably wouldn't sit there telling them all the things that they've done wrong, why they're so shit and useless. You know, you would recognize, "Mm, this is probably not a helpful way to speak to my friend. And actually what you would probably be doing is offering them some reassurance, helping them to express their emotions, allowing those emotions, and then moving on to a more productive perspective. So self-compassion when it comes to ourselves is not about ignoring our flaws or pretending that everything is perfect. Again, that would be deceiving ourselves. Instead, it's about acknowledging our imperfect nature and treating ourselves with the same care and concern that we would offer to our friends. And why this is important is that the physiological processes underpinning our self-reassuring and caring capacities compared to self-criticism and shame are associated with different brain systems. So positive ways of relating to ourselves have very different impacts on our well-being and mental health, our physiology and our neurophysiology. And high levels of compassion have been associated with improved emotion regulation and mental health. So you can see how if it is the difficult emotions that arise from self-criticism that actually undermine our self-regulation, or if we develop better emotional regulation, we're able to make those food choices that support our bodies and our lives on a more consistent basis. And there is a wealth of research that reports consistent associations between self-compassion and lower levels of body image concerns, 
disordered eating pathology and negative affect. Now, it's not an easy thing to do to develop self-compassion, particularly if we hold positive beliefs about self-criticism. So bringing it back to the purpose of criticism, many of us do believe that this criticism is necessary to hold ourselves to the standards that we want to uphold. But as we discussed, this approach actually backs fires and it's only when we drop the shame and self-attacking that we can learn from our mistakes. You have high standards because you care. Those aren't going to go away just because you drop your self-criticism. So a much more helpful approach to self-improvement is about looking forward and learning and developing rather than punishing ourselves. Another way to drill this point home is to remember that beating yourself up for something that you've done doesn't change the fact that it happened and it doesn't help you to stop it happening again, which is probably why you find yourself stuck in this cycle. So to move towards compassionate self-improvement, the first step is to notice when you are judging yourself and to swap your judgments for statements of preference, consequences or facts. And I do have some Instagram posts and also a blog post on this. So I will link that in the show notes so that you can go ahead and read more and actually give this practice a go for yourself. But what it will do is help you to name how you are feeling and this will allow you to regulate your emotions and behave more effectively. So for example, I skipped my workout and I'm such a lazy piece of shit becomes I didn't get everything done that I wanted to do today and I skipped my workout. That is a neutral observation, that is a fact. And if you combine that with, and I feel frustrated with myself, that is you naming your feelings, that will help to downregulate the emotional response so that it's not so overpowering and overwhelming. And from there, you might decide that a rest day isn't the end of the world, Or maybe you'll decide that actually you would feel better for working out and you don't want work or other things to get in the way of that and you may resolve to act differently next time. Either way, you'll probably find it easier to make effective choices for you. So to help you cultivate self-compassion, it is important to know that it's a process, it takes time, it takes practice and a lot of the advice online is very wishy-washy and it can feel disheartening to feel like it's not working. That doesn't mean it's not effective, it probably means that there are blocks that you may face to developing self-compassion. So not only do you need the right guidance, the right information, but you also need to understand why you may have resistances to wanting to engage in these practices. So those can be some very helpful things to explore. Again, I want to direct your attention to the article on my website where I go into this in more detail because I also provide a lot of links to some practices that you can give a go yourself, as well as some further resources for learning more about self-compassion, such as some book recommendations and things like that. So definitely recommend checking out the link in the show notes so that you can read that article. One of the most helpful places to start though is with soothing rhythm breathing. So when we are in fret mode, again which is activated by that self-criticism, it means that our sympathetic nervous system is active. 
And when that is the case, it's very difficult to think rationally and to make helpful choices. So we need to learn how to stimulate the opposing force of the parasympathetic nervous system to calm our body and mind. And soothing breathing works well because it stimulates our vagus nerve. And this increases our heart rate variability, which is a marker of our body's ability to respond effectively to stress. So this activates your brain's soothing system and is an essential skill if you want to improve your ability to handle stress and difficult emotions. Again, those are some of the common things that undermine our eating regulation. So again, if you want to do that, you can follow a guided practice, which will be linked in the article on my website. So I just wanted to give you a quick overview as to why self-criticism can be unhelpful. To recap, the primary reason is that it tends to go hand in hand with some very unhelpful emotions that are often inappropriate in the circumstances. And those emotions can be difficult to deal with. And sometimes we turn to food to escape the experience of those emotions, which totally undermines our health and fitness goals. Whereas developing compassion can help us to break that cycle of self-criticism and to encourage us to treat ourselves with care, support and encouragement, which will go hand in hand with improving our body image and our relationship with food and our actual eating behaviours. So if you do want to learn more about that, I recommend checking out the article on my website, or if you are struggling with self-criticism and binge eating, then perhaps you would benefit from Empower Coaching. So if you would like to chat about that, you can submit an inquiry through the website or DM me on Instagram, and we can chat about whether or not coaching would be a good fit for you. Thank you so much for listening to the Consilience podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with someone who will find it helpful. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating and quick review. The topics I speak about aren't particularly trendy or sexy, so this makes a huge difference. And don't forget to join the Empowered Edit, a weekly newsletter with evidence-based tools and strategies to help you build your health and confidence. You will get first access to everything that's going on and insights that I don't share anywhere else. The link will be in the show notes. And until then, I will catch you in the next episode.